Guess it's time again for Buddy Martin. Call him up and tell him what you're thinking. But be kind because he's doing the best he can. Better. Stronger. Faster. Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Hey! What if the voice calls while you're gone? Take a message. <laughs> Bye! You ready, champ? I'm ready for this my whole life. I'm incapable of small talk. <laughs> but that's why you love me, right? Kind of intimidating to be in the presence of so many great athletes. Coach Urban Meyer has landed in Los Angeles, as he does every weekend. Uh, there he is. I hope you're not sick there, Urban. Don't do that. That coffin doesn't sound good now. Don't be doing that. So, No, no. All healthy. <laughs> good. That's good to know. And uh, good to know everything is going well for you as you get ready to launch your football program, one that we'll be watching Big Noon Kickoff. More about that in just a moment. But I wanted to catch up to you uh, there's some things that uh, that we don't try to do the news report every week, but we do want to be apprised as to what's happening on. And this particularly deals with something you've been so strong about, preaching the gospel of hope and opportunity, which I know breaks your heart now. And so I just start off with this right now saying, what do you tell the kids and coaches and how can you convince them that they have hope and opportunity despite the fact that many of them are sitting home when part of the country is playing football. Well, Ohio State just had one of the best players declare for the uh, mm-hmm. NFL, Wyatt Davis. Uh, First-round draft pick, was a right guard, and a tremendous player. We recruited him out of Los Angeles, and just a wonderful guy. And 
and I was talking to some people at Ohio State, and and every year you deal with the during the normal year the incredible amount of people in the ears of these student athletes um, that have a chance to go play professional football. So I, the, and it, they're just getting inundated right now, and the uncertainty has created a lot of anxiety amongst the families. And so you know, what are you telling me? Just have great confidence in the coaches and only can control what you can control. And I know that's hard for me to say because I've been one of those control freaks my entire life that you just want to have your hands on everything. But, you know, hang in there and, you know, I just hope people don't just panic and make decisions they hopefully regret. You think maybe the Big Ten regrets their decision now? I do. I think they, uh, once again, that's just my opinion and talking to some people within the organization a little bit and throughout the Big Ten, but I just think time is really an ally right now, and that means that, you know, every every day, every week, uh, the numbers change, science changes, testing, a huge part of this is the ability to test and get quick results without contract tracing everybody, contact tracing everybody, which is a big fear amongst all the coaches. That you could, you know, you can lose a position group or even part of your team uh, to get quarantined. So, I think time's an ally. Uh, I always felt that way. I think I think the Big Ten kind of feels that way, but I don't know for sure. Yeah, I know it's. Uh, I know a lot of kids. I know you are very strong in the living room when you go in to recruit kids and you make promises to their kids and their parents that you're going to take care of that that young man. And you, you try to do that, and I know you're all in invested on kids like that. Mm-hmm. And, and it, now it would be very hard if I were Ryan Day and James Franklin and others, and by the way, they have spoken out this week about their, their, their unhappiness and their, their disdain for the decision and, and really more than anything else about not so much the decision, about not getting information, which is the big thing, not <laughs> knowing. I think not knowing sometimes is the worst thing. So consequently uh, – Gosh, in a way, you got to be glad you're not in the middle of this. Well, I saw Ryan Days and James Franklin, uh, and I, you know, those guys are doing what coaches are expected to do: swing as hard as you can for their for their players. Uh, I was sharing with someone the other day, uh, some people in corporate America, that no other profession is like this, where you you go recruit them when they're 17, 18 years old. You're in the fa- in the homes, you hug their families and say, "We're going to take care of your your son." Uh, or daughter, if it's you know volleyball like my daughter's doing, then that parent expects you to take care of that kid. And, and nothing about coddling or nothing about taking easy on it, but when you know you fight as hard as you can for the player, and that's what Ryan Day's doing. And the biggest issue I, I read it real closely is that and I've talked to Ryan is that Coach Day is that uh, he's getting asked questions he can't answer. Mm. You're gonna, you know, in a few days you're gonna see Duke play Notre Dame two of the top universities in the world, not just America in the world. Um, and they feel it's safe enough to go play the game, yet someone else makes a decision that's not too, that's not safe enough. So those are the questions that seem to be uh, void of answers right now. It's going to be really hard for an, for an 18, 19-year-old to, to try to put that together and figure it out. But, you know, here's the good part. We do have football. And for a while there, we weren't sure we were going to have football. And uh, it's watching on TV, as I'm sure you've done the last couple of days, uh, the Thursday night game, of course. And now this weekend we've got some interesting games. And then we don't kick off the big boys, as I say, the SEC and, 
in the in the big. When is the Big Twelve kickoff? By the way, the same day, twenty six, or are they before that? Oh no, it's they're playing this weekend. Oh, they are uh, playing this weekend. Okay. Uh, yeah, big noon. A couple a couple uh, games got postponed. We we're supposed to do Baylor this week, and it got postponed mm-hmm. a week because Louisiana Tech had an outbreak. Uh, but the Big Twelve starts this week, and SEC starts, I believe, the twenty twenty six. And NACC starts in too. And they get the added Lester and Notre Dame, so which is pretty cool. Uh, so, so big noon, big noon kickoff uh, with Rob Stone, of course, and, and Reggie Bush and Matt Leinard and, and, and Clay Helton and Cadone Slobus and so on. You, of course, um, you got this thing going this weekend. It's it's become quite an interesting show because you get a diverse opinion there, and it seems to be driven more by the the host, or not, no, excuse me, the, the the well, the co-hosts. The panel seems to drive the show, as opposed to being produced by you know uh, one slick producer. Uh, talk about that show. I know when you went on, you weren't really sure what it was going to be, and I think you've come to your own. You've enjoyed it. You said uh, you, you're being very very well received. Terry Bradshaw tells me Fox really loves you. Uh, and by the way, we'll hear from Bradshaw next week on the NFL. Uh, what's that like, and, and, and what would you do in your shows in the future? Well, Fox came to us last year, actually, when I was at the coach of my last game in the Rose Bowl, and they said we'd like to have you join our team, and, and we discussed about what the show would be about, and, and, and they said we celebrate this great game, those who play it, those who coach it. That's exactly what we do, you know, and um, – they put us with a very relevant team of Reggie Bush, like you said, Matt Liner, Brady Quinn, and Rob Stone. And we became family. I mean, we're great friends now. We talk all the time. I'm on my way there, and I can't wait to see him. And and we try to take people places that really not many other people can take you. You know, they're all relevant people. That Two Heisman Trophy winners, uh, All-American quarterback at Notre Dame, and a, a coach has won a few games. And so – well, we take you into recruiting, we take you into the strategy, we take you to the locker room, we take you to what uh, I really enjoy it. And our, we've had uh, a lot of success. The numbers jumped all over the place last year, which is good. And, you know, the Big Ten is going to really hurt us then because we're kind of a Big Ten network, mm-hmm. uh, so to speak, with the Fox. So that's going to hurt us a little bit. But we're, uh, we're going to move to two-hour shows instead of one-hour shows, which will give us a lot more time. Well, as a regular on this show, on the best Fridays in football, I would like you to explain what that term means. I meant to do it last week, and I forgot to get a chance to because I love the name of the show, Best Fridays in Football, uh, yeah. even if we don't do it on Fridays. I still love it. Uh, talk about what that was for you as a coach, how you named it, and what was it about? Well, I think it's great for both of us, two good friends that know each other, you know, going on since 2005. I remember sitting there one of our first times we met, and I thought this guy's different. We remained very good friends. Uh, but best Fridays of football, I actually started that when I first became a head coach, and I learned it from Sonny Lubick, the head coach at Colorado State. And his whole idea of Friday was to get the players. You know, obviously you work the game, but really a lot of the work's done. The biggest, the most important thing on a Friday for a young person is relax a little bit and get sleep so often coaches that i've made those mistakes in the past you get them all riled up you meet all day long and kids they can't they can't calm down and so we uh we teach them how to relax lock in relax lock in and a lot of the relaxation is uh you know they get to screw around on the field together hang out get the routine together and then once we get to the hotel and the meetings uh the movie 
there's no more meetings. It's all about the player, the coach relaxing. A lot of them play cards, dominoes, uh, but the players love it. And so do the coaches. So that's why we call it best rise in football. And I've been to a couple of them, and I'm talking about some good eats now. If you're a kid, yeah. you can get almost anything you want. Some people eat five Sundays and milkshakes and all kind of food and good food and steak or whatever you want. And it's just a bits of parties, what it is, uh, under control. And the kids seem to have a certain freedom of spirit about it, and they seem to really like it. So the ones I've seen, anyway. Yeah, I think it's great advice when you think about the most important thing on a Friday is the rest. Because yeah, you've done uh, Tuesday's a really hard day, Wednesday's a hard day, Thursday you back off a little bit. Friday's critical. And uh, our players to this day, a bunch of the former players, we still, you know, Tebow's one of them. He'll send me a text, best Friday's of football. Hmm. And uh, we loved him. He had a few. He has a pretty good Saturdays as well, so for sure. Yeah. Now, I know, you, I know you don't get Okay, that's Urban in part one of our conversation, the podcast. Uh, we'll be able to get back to him in just a moment. We'll play you part two. Uh, we talk, talked about Tebow a little bit and about he had some great Saturdays, um, uh, great Saturdays and great Fridays, great great Fridays in football. The best Fridays in football is the name of this show. Urban Meyer is on the podcast with me here. Now you'll be able to see this a little bit later on or hear it actually. Uh, on your wherever you get your podcast, you'll be able to hear the audio of it. And we look forward next week. We're going to bring in some new folks. Terry Bradshaw. I got a text from Terry. He's still fishing in Alaska. Uh, he will not be on the program today, as we hope, but he will be on next week. Um, and we will be able to uh, bring up date on that. Um, Terry, of course, is always fun. He's got a show coming out with his family, uh, and he is. Uh, He's very, uh, as you know, he's very entertaining. And uh, this is with his family. He said, he said, well, I'm going to have to figure this out. He said, I may have to leave the country after this show comes out. I think it debuts on the 16th. So uh, if everybody is uh, checking in with me now, hopefully everything is going well in terms of what we're doing here. And you're hearing it all right. You can give me a quick text if you're not. Um, also, uh, in addition to Terry Bradshaw, we'll also be able to have uh, – um, some special reports. David Moulton from Southwest Florida, he works for um, CBS and does some work for Fox as well. Uh, he will be uh, joining us uh, to give us his picks. And we're wanting to see what, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, I, I'm not a gambler, but I know that some people like, like to gamble. And uh, I did, however, manage to win some money on the Florida Gators last, last year by... Uh, making a bet in Las Vegas. I just collected my check and cashed it today. So, yeah, I bet 50 bucks, I think, or so. Cashed my check on them winning more than eight games. So back to the program now. Apologize if we had any difficulty. We'll get back to it right now. And uh, <clears throat> we will uh, let you know more about other things we've got coming up. Cassidy Hill will give us a Gator Bait report. And uh, maybe we'll have our Big Ten Notre Dame guy. Maybe Andy Billman will do that for us. That'd be cool, right? Andy, you'll meet. He's the executive producer here, and uh, he's a guy that uh, he loves his sports, and he loves Notre Dame, he loves the Browns, and hey, we'll let him talk about the Big Ten, all right? Here's more of Urban Meyer talking about what's ahead for him uh, this weekend and how he sees this pandemic, and how about the Florida Gators' schedule? He breaks it down. Some coaches are better able to handle 
shall we call them disruptions in others. Adversity is part of football, the coaches always tell us. But this is beyond adversity. And there are going to be some situations this football season that are going to kind of be um, backbreakers. And there are some coaches that can handle it better than others. I think one of them is right there in Gainesville and Dan Mullen and a few others I can think of. Certainly Nick Saban is one. Uh, I imagine Ryan Day can handle his share of it. Talk about those guys able to focus when there's such a, a ginormous elephant in the room. Yeah, I think, first of all, it starts with the experience of your team. You know, I, I think coaches who have created a great culture and leadership within their team are the ones that not only survive it, but they thrive in, in tough situations. The two guys you mentioned, Saban and, and, and Dan, you know, they've been at it for a while. And they've, you know, they've experienced it. The one thing about Ryan Day, he has not. You know, he's only been there as a... a one year, but the culture and the leadership on that team is so strong. So you look at guys, you know, Dabo Sweeney, people that have been through the wars a little bit are the guys that, you know, that I imagine will come out of this thing even stronger. But the, the, you watch now, there'll be some programs that get wiped out because of it. And a lot of times, you know, it's the coach's responsibility, but you know how I am. If you have a strong leader or leadership within the team, that that's, that's when the teams just not only get through it, but they get through it even stronger. And I know you've had the power of the unit and various things you've used to, and to keep people together as a team. And kids today are obviously changing by the day or the hour. Let's focus for a second on the Florida Gators. I know you don't have as much time as you'd like to to follow them. But up close, and I'm saying up close from the standpoint as a media guy, I don't get to see Dan or talk to Dan, but we're all living by the Zoom press conference. And as I've watched this, I consider myself a little bit of a student of football. The nuances I'm seeing with Dan, his ability to handle what he's doing, to get his program where it ought to be, this team could be very, very good. The pieces are starting to come together, and, you know, not just the quarterback, but young receivers, the offensive lines playing better. Now, we don't get to see this, but through the conversation with the coaches – and we talked to a lot of them. I mean, uh, and Tim Brewster was on this week, and he was really blew us away with this positivity. It seems like, it feels like there's something going on with these Gators. Now, you said it, Steve Spurrier said it, we all say they got to beat Georgia. But Dan is positioned well in a year that it's hard to have a position. Yeah, I picked them to uh... – you know, win the SEC. I, I really did, and so much is going to change. I, I'm really studying the schedules, and we're going to spend time talking about that on Fox Big Noon Kickoff. About you know, the SEC is uncharted waters. Ten games. You know, I can't imagine. I remember when we were there. I think we had eight league games, and that's what they have now. And I mean, that is top to bottom the best conference in America. You don't have a, you don't have those early games to get your your team warmed up. You don't have the opportunity to get your backups in there and get playing time. I mean, this is going to be a, a very strenuous time. And when you're talking about college football playoff, you know, if you lose one or two games, I, I think, by the way, the SEC, the, everyone's going to lose two games. I, I, don't, I don't see anyone making it through that gauntlet where they're going to just beat each other. They're going to beat each other up and lose some games. And how does that impact the impact in, in the college football playoff where you maybe have a lesser conference and really a much lesser conference now. Uh, normally the ACC has been strong with Miami and Florida State and Virginia Tech, Louisville, and then, of course, 
uh, Clemson, but the teams, there's only. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's a much, much different animal right now that uh, you're competing at the Southeastern Conference with a 10 game schedule. Yeah, we lost just for a second. I think we heard what you said, but I wanted to point this out. I agree with you 100%. You've experienced it as a coach, but I, this is not only a terrific schedule, this is the biggest, toughest, most powerful opponents in the history of college football, Urban. No one's ever played 10 games yeah. only is No one. Think about it. Who's ever played a schedule like that? No wonder they all might, might the leaders might lose two, uh, two games because nobody walks in. Talk about how tough it is to get through that schedule. Because when you're fighting heavyweight champions every week, it has a residual impact on your team. Yeah, that, uh, I think the residual, what you said, or collateral damage that comes to playing that schedule. And I also uh, tell people that the Tuesday practice, you can always tell what kind of game you had. First of all, on Sunday, you walk in the training room, and you know when you play an easier opponent, there's not many people in there. When you play the sledgehammer games like the SEC, that training room is full of, filled with uh, athletes that are banged up from the uh, physical game. Great point. And the SEC is as physical as any. And so when you get in Sunday and you can just tell, and then you have to adjust your practice schedule, Tuesday's your work day. A lot of times when you play back-to-back-to-back big-time games, your Tuesday, you, uh, a lot of guys aren't even practicing, so you miss a huge game plan day. And that's, you know, the rigid, I love how you said that, the residual damage of playing uh, a tough schedule like this, that's why I'm going to watch that so closely this year. And everybody looks at, you know, the average, the, the fan will say, okay, that's a tough game, but it's so much more than that. It's getting ready for the next game after the tough game. Yeah, Dan experienced that a, a few years ago when he played Georgia and had to go out of Missouri and got beat by Missouri because that's what can happen to you. Can I walk you through this schedule real fast of Florida? Uh, I've got in front of me because sure. we're all kind of figured out because it's a new schedule. You know, they didn't the one we had last spring. Uh, you know, you got an opening game at Ole Miss. By all estimations, Ole Miss is not going to be a contender, but we all know SEC teams are tough on the road. Then you got South Carolina at home. And the troublesome game for Dan, in my opinion, is going to College Station to play Texas A&M. That's one that could be difficult. Although, without the 12th man, without all those thousands and thousands of people there, and only whatever it is, 20,000, will that be different? Well, it'll be a lot different. But you're still, if it's a night game, you're still getting home late. Um, and it'll be different, but it's still much easier to play at home. Just you got your routine and not flying all over the place. But... It'll be much easier than, you know, I've been to Texas a and That place is really hard. All the SEC places are really hard. Uh, but what I always try to, there's three things we're going to look at uh, on the big noon kickoff. Number one is how many ranked teams you play. Number two, how many away or home. And the number three, the spacing of the games. And I noticed LSU has a really, really hard schedule. Uh, they're playing four top 20, really top 15 teams, but they're not spaced out well. And I would always look at that. You remember the days when I when I was a coach at the Gators. That October was awful. Mm. Sometimes, I mean, you had you went to Kentucky, then Tennessee, and then bang, bang, bang. Usually Auburn, Alabama, LSU, Georgia, and we used to call it the gauntlet. And if yep. you can make it through the gauntlet, and then you, you know it's, uh, sometimes you would get a Vanderbilt or a little easier game near the back half. You play an FCS school and then get ready for Florida State. But the gauntlet is what just wipes you out. Yeah. And then speaking of LSU, that's who comes next after Texas A&M. But it's at home, and uh, we don't know yet what Coach O has got, but he's got a lot of talent, and they're always going to be tough. 
and they've become a rival game now uh, because they, and then the following week uh, they've got Missouri at home and then they have an open date. So if they could get to that break, you know, they drop one. You know, if they drop, let's say they've got to beat Texas, they're still in good shape after the open date because next comes what they used to call and some still call the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, Georgia and Jacksonville. A little bit different this year, not as many fans. And that starts the run uh, where the back half you talk about, you've got Georgia, then you get Arkansas at home, then at Vanderbilt, Kentucky, and of all things, they wound up playing Tennessee last. Tennessee game is at Knoxville. So what do you make of that? Well, I won't hold you to it, but it seems to me there's some winnable games in there. And obviously the, the red letter ones are going to be LSU, Texas A&M, and, and uh, Georgia. Uh, then, of course, at Tennessee, but I think by the time we get to Tennessee, uh, we'll find out how good this team is going to be, and I think Florida will be better. What's your assessment on the schedule? Uh, it's going to be all tempered by injury and health of team. You know, I think, is it a manageable schedule? Nah, not really. I mean, if you really look at it and say, can, can a, you know, a team like Florida, what's the expectation of? And I know Spurrier and I, Steve Spurrier and I have talked about this many times. Dan and I have talked about it. And he's enjoyed uh, two great years, but Remember now, when Steve Spurrier was a coach, if you didn't win the SEC, it was a monumental failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we got there and got it going, when you didn't win the SEC, I remember the one year we couldn't. We had the Sugar Bowl and we couldn't sell tickets because it, it was such a failure. Um, you know, if that's getting to that point now, because Dan's done such a good job, he's loaded up with good players. You have to beat Georgia. You have to go to the SEC championship, and then you have to win it. So at some point, you know that the expectation level, which is rightfully so in Gainesville is that you expect championships. And now that's what's coming next. Well, let's close out with that comment because I think it's very important about expectations. Coaches love them and coaches hate them. You want to be a place where you're expected to win championships. You want to win championships. But when you don't, as you said, these expectations become somewhat unrealistic. How does a coach deal with that? Because Dan has done a terrific job. Uh, and there's still people who are obviously not happy because he's not going to Atlanta every year, you know, like they used to. So what do you do to handle those expectations of fans? And you had it at Ohio State. You've had it pretty much any place you go, although you built the programs at Utah and Bowling Green and so on. What do you do as a coach when you come in? It's a double-edged sword, expectations. Well, you're not talking to the right guy probably about that, how to manage expectations because – you know, we, we, we wanted to be perfect, and perfect is obviously an unsustainable goal. You know, that, that doesn't happen. Uh, and we were, you know, a product of our own success. And, and Coach Spurrier and I, like I said, we've had many conversations about that. So how do you handle it? You, you know, you signed up for it. And I used to always tell my staff, tell the players, tell even to myself, say, listen, I'm, no one held a gun to your head and said, you have to go to Florida, you have to go to Ohio State. We're, you're in it. You have to embrace it, and you, and it is what it is. You know, you just said Dan Mullins had two great years. Can you imagine if Steve Spurrier had those uh, years? They would have been trying to get rid of him. You know, and the same thing, you know, you know we, the world was coming to an end when, when you lose a couple games. So you embrace it, you signed up for it, and you go attack it, and the only thing you can do is do the best you can. This final thought with Coach Urban Meyer and our weekly podcast here on the best Fridays in football, a term that Coach Meyer actually invented, is, you know, people say if there's a national championship, there really shouldn't be one, or if there is one, you should have an asterisk next to it. 
I don't know how you feel about it, but to me, if you win the national championship this year and you're playing the SEC schedule, that'll give you two trophies. Yeah, there, there's no doubt. Those players, it's not their fault. You win a, that, that's wrong. There's no asterisk. You win the national championship if you play. Players have nothing to do with this. So yeah, I, I get a little upset when I hear that. Say, well, there's an asterisk. No, that's you, you played, you trained, and you went through, put your body in harm's way, and, and competed in the toughest conference in America. You're the, if you win it, you're the national championship. If uh, Clemson, Notre Dame, or some surprise team comes out, maybe in Oklahoma, you're the national champion. Remove the asterisks, and that's the way it is. Coach Urban Meyer, you can hear him every week on here on our show, the Best Fridays in Football, and watch him and hear him on the Big Noon Show on Saturdays on Fox. Urban, thank you very much. Enjoyed it. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, buddy. I got to run. Okay, Coach Urban Meyer. Pretty good there. Sorry for the technical problems early on. We'll replay that uh, first part where there was some talk about the Browns. I know Andy Billman's wanting to know about it. I want to say thank you to a bunch of people. Uh, before that, reminding you, though, that next week, Terry Bradshaw in the house. Yeah, he won't be in this house, but he'll be on the house. and He'll be on the program. We'll have that for you. And Terry is kicking off his season at Fox. And he's getting back from Alaska today from his fishing trip. I said, bring us some fish pickers, and we'll have a look at those. And you got that special coming out on the 17th or 16th on E, the Bradshaw Bunch. I know that family really well. They're great people, but some of that stuff kind of gives me the creeps a little bit, just a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Because Terry likes to kid and joke and whatever, and sometimes people don't get him. If you don't get him, well, you don't get him. Anyway, so Terry Bradshaw will be here next week, and we'll – this is the best Fridays in football with a variety of people. Urban Meyer will be here with the podcast every week, but we're so glad to have Urban. Uh, don't forget to watch him on the big news show, two hours on Saturdays. And then we're going to have uh, some special friends drop in. Uh, one of them will be David Bolton, a very good broadcaster who works for CBS, spotting on the weekends for the uh, crew uh, and does college football. And he does his own show in South Florida, Miller Moulton. He's done some stuff for ESPN. He's going to tell us what games we should bet on if we said we were going to bet. He's going to have money, which is not real. It's mythical money, and we're going to bankroll him and say, all right, give us the picks. Purely entertainment. That's all I want you to know. It's purely entertainment. Although I will remind you again that today I went to the bank and cashed my ticket for betting on Florida last year, one of my first ever bets when I was in Las Vegas, seeing who? Terry Bradshaw was singing. I wanted to see him. So that's good. So I want to remind you of that. Just a couple other notes before I have my two-minute warning where my final thoughts are today talking about, well, what this mess has brought about and how this is going to be measured out this football season, how good it will be or how bad it will be. Don't forget these bucks. I see Peter King's column. Peter King is one of the best in the business. Uh, and he likes the bucks. He said he waffled between the Saints, Seahawks, Niners, and Bucks. He said, now I'm landing on the bucks to survive the gauntlet of the NFC. And you heard Urban Meyer earlier talking about the bucks. I hope you heard that. If you didn't, we'll replay it at a later date. 
uh, and uh, he thinks they got a chance they could play the Super Bowl in their own hometown on their own field. That'd be something, huh? So um, anyway, he says he feels like uh, he says it's crazy picking a 43-year-old quarterback in his first year out of New England uh, to make the Super Bowl, but it would be Tom Brady's 10th Super Bowl, by the way. A totally insane achievement. I doubt sincerely will ever be repeated in any of our lifetimes. And he has three reasons for picking the Bucks. Well, I like I like the Bucks too. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually watch some pro football this year. If we had David Moulton this week, among the games he would be picking, he'll be here not next weekend, but the week after. This is the kind of thing, this is not even a great schedule, but that's why I love this all SEC only schedule. Like I said, the most formidable schedule in the history of college football this year. And this week we've got, if we were picking, if we if we had games this week, uh, right now these games are scheduled for the first weekend uh, of SEC play on the 26th. So the 26th coming up, you're going to have these games. Alabama at Missouri, score one for the Tide. Florida goes to Ole Miss. That's a great trip if you've never made it to the Grove. It's special. Go sometimes when they're taking fans. Uh, Georgia at Arkansas. No trouble there, I don't think, for the Bulldogs with Felipe Franks and company. Kentucky at Auburn might be the best game in terms of even matches. I wouldn't be shocked if Kentucky won it, but I think Auburn at home is going to be too tough. Mississippi State at LSU, not going to be a pretty sight there um, for that game. Tennessee at South Carolina, pretty evenly matched game right there, although the last report out of Knoxville with all the COVID cases didn't sound too good. And Vanderbilt at Texas A&M. Tough go for the Commodores. So that's what you got coming on the 26th. And we'll have picks on those games when the time comes. We'll tell you about that. And then I want to say thank you to a very special group of people. These people have made this broadcast possible. And in addition to the fact their organizations, that includes Gatorbait, the Lighthouse people, and includes the Ocala Quarterback Club, and our friends at Renstar Medical Research. But here especially are the people I want to thank. Gatorbait Lighthouse Builders are people who have, like the advisory board to Gatorbait, truth, honor, and dignity. Thank you to Dr. Jim Duke, the Orthopedic Institute, to Sissy Long, in memory of her beloved Chuck, Lauren Meadows in Ohio, rooting for the Gators and for equality, Jeffrey Meldon, Meldon Law, where you matter most. Sponsor of Meldon Law Monday right here. Max Steen, former Gator captain. Pulling for Coach Mullen, but 69 Gators will always be in my heart. Jeff Ulmer, a loyal to the Gators, the Hatters, Gator Bait, and the Ocala Quarterback Club. Thank you very much for that. And then the Ocala Quarterback Club, sponsor of the Scott Brantley Trophy you heard so much about for academics, character, football. Mike McGinnis, captain. Mike's a good buddy who helps us with the Gatorbait production. And then Rinstar Medical Research. Our friends over there, Mary Brantley and Scott Brantley's wife, and also Joe Sorrentino, whose son played for the Gators. Thank you. Rinstar Medical Research seeking tomorrow's answers to the health questions of today. All right. Every week I'll wrap it up with a thought of mine. And who knows what it might be. 
this particular day on the two-minute warning, I want to talk about Greg Sankey. Although I've never been a huge Sankey fan, he has really impressed me in these recent months. The SEC shouldn't gloat, but if Commissioner Greg Sankey pulls off this successful 2020 without a major health care tragedy or travesty, I'm recommending we place his name and nomination for the Nobel Peace Prize. I mean, this guy's been amazing. College football will suddenly have the guy who should become the first czar to overlord the NCAA, the Power Five, and the college football playoffs. And the committee, by the way, which wouldn't have a clue to yell fire if their homes are engulfed in flames. No matter if it only lasts for a few weeks or so, we've got football. We'll have it for a while. Sankey will be known as the guy who helped save the SEC and much of college football. Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren, not so much. Through his studies he's done with a mentor about decision-making, Sankey learned about waiting and convinced coaches, ADs, and presidents that there's a great deal of virtue in patience. Amen to that. And now, as we sit here, the Big Ten is awaiting word on a possible opening of its season sometime this fall, possible. Ohio State's Ryan Day, as you heard earlier, Penn State's Gene Franklin expressing disgust, disdain, about the management and the lack of flow of information for transparency. Ryan Day wants the date moved up to October and they can play if they do, so the Bucks can contend for a national championship. And can you blame him? They've got a team that could have won it. Probably not going to happen, though. Maybe in November, but not in October. The SEC and ACC set to open the 26th. The ACC has the added glamour of Notre Dame. The SEC has, well, the SEC. And the biggest, most powerful lineup of any schedule in college football history. You think that's pretty good? Yeah, I think that's pretty good. Thanks for listening and watching and taking part in the program, Best Fridays in Football. You can get it on your podcast if you miss it the first time around. And on behalf of my regular contributor, Urban Meyer, and soon-to-be regular contributors, Terry Bradshaw, along with David Moulton and Cassidy Hill, plus director Brendan Martin and executive producer Andy Billman. Thanks for tuning us in. And tell your friends about the best Fridays in football. I'm Buddy Martin. Enjoy your football.